Friends, welcome to Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. Word on Fire is an apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization, using media both old and new to share the faith on every continent and to facilitate an encounter with Christ and His Church. The efforts of Word on Fire engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. Today, we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each one of us. Peace be with you. Friends, I want to focus today on our gorgeous and deeply moving second reading, which is taken from Paul's second letter to Timothy, to his young uh, disciple, his young charge. 2 Timothy is the letter of an old man come to the end of his life's work. And he's passing advice and authority onto his younger colleague. Now, you know, the Bible, every part of the Bible is for everybody, but I wonder whether I might invite especially the elders listening to me to attend carefully to this letter. People coming to the end of their earthly journey. I think especially for you, this will be a powerful message. Paul is, as it were, summing up his life and work, preparing to let go of this life and enter into the higher life of heaven. And so he says, beautifully, I'm already being poured out like a libation. Now, it's a very striking reference, but I think we'll largely miss it because it's so alien to our culture. What's he talking about, a libation? Well, at the end of a Roman meal, remember uh, Paul's a Roman citizen, the custom was to pour a cup of wine into the ground or onto the floor as an offering to the gods. It's like allowing the gods to drink as well, right? Giving them the last uh, cup of wine. What's Paul announcing? That his whole life has been like this, an offering to God, poured out, for the sake of God. And you know, I would venture to say even the young Saul, you know, when he was studying under Gamaliel and he was on fire for the traditions of his people, he saw himself as utterly devoted to God. And then he sees the risen Lord and it deepens now in a way he hadn't anticipated, but continues as a libation, a pouring out for the sake of God. Here's a good question for all of us, maybe especially for the elders. What have we been living for? Our own pleasure and fame and power. Okay, those things aren't bad in themselves. But is that what I'm living for? Or have I been pouring out my life for God and for God's purposes? You know that lovely line from uh, T.S. Eliot that you know, we've measured out our lives in coffee spoons the way that you know most of us live is if I'm going to give a little bit of my life away, I'll just do it in these, these little dribs and drabs. The idea is to pour out your life like a libation. Think of the turning upside down of the cup, emptying it out as a gift to God. Then Paul says, the time of my departure is at hand. It's cool, the word departure there. The, the Greek behind it is analusis. The time of my analusis has come. It's got several senses or connotations. 
it can designate the loosening of an animal from a cart or a plow. The implication? Well, he's pulled the burden which the Lord gave him. He's been a loyal pack animal for Christ. And now he's ready to lay down that burden. It also, scholars say, has the sense of the loosening of the ropes of a tent. And I like this because, of course, Saul, Paul, was a tent maker by trade. He knew all about that, how to create, how to produce a tent, the, the ropes involved, and the stakes involved in securing it to the ground. Well, the loosening of the ropes means, well, it's time to strike camp and we're moving on. Okay, there's Paul, the end of his life. He's, he's about to move on. The journey continues into the higher world. Finally, Analusis can have the sense of the loosening of the moors of a ship. Think of a ship that's moored, uh, you know, against or in the um, at the dock. Paul also knew a lot about sea travel, didn't he? We hear about a lot of his sea journeys, shipwrecks, etc. But he crossed the the sea many times when it was exceptionally dangerous to do so. He's saying, "Time has come that the boat." which has been tied up, is ready to sail. Beautiful, isn't it? Um, Is this whole life, in a way, a sort of preparation? The ship is in harbor, preparing for the great journey. The time of my departure, the analusis, the loosening of the, the ropes, it's now time to move on. Now, here's what I want you to see. How positive all these references are. Paul's not despairing at the end of his life. He's not seeing the void ahead of him, as a lot of people today do, I think. But rather a great adventure, a journey of discovery. Rest, but not in the sense of like lying in a hammock, but rather the sort of enjoyment of this new adventure. How wonderful when older people, and I've known a lot of them, give every indication of believing their lives are about to begin as they approach death. That's right, it seems to me. Next, as he often does, Paul makes a comparison to sporting events. Paul must have loved sporting events and must have attended them because he refers to them a lot in his letters. And keep in mind, Saul, Saul, comes of age in Tarsus, which is very much in the ambit of a Greek civilization, and Paul was a Roman citizen. So he's a Jew, of course, and formed in the Jewish mindset. But he's also a, a Greek in a way and a Roman in a way. And those two cultures were sports-obsessed. They're a bit like ours that way. Think of the passion around sporting events. You know, best example, the Olympic Games, which come to us from, from, the, uh, uh, from Greece. And so Paul, I think clearly as a, as a young man, maybe in his adult years, watched and enjoyed sports. Listen to what he says. I've competed well. He's conveying there's something at stake in the Christian life, something worth striving for. It's not a question of, you know, well, God loves me, so take it easy. No, no, this is a, it's a race, it's a competition, and he's competed well. He's been like a runner in the stadium that's, that's done well. So we should think about that as we move through our Christian lives. Are we, 
Are we in the arena? I mentioned last week about, about putting up the, the good fight against Amalek, all those things that oppose the journey to heaven. Well, are we running the race? And so Paul continues, listen. So I've finished the race. Imagine somebody running a marathon, and he's made it through 25 miles, only to fall away at the very end. Well, Christian life, I mean, can be like that. We're meant to make it to the goal line. And perhaps the last miles are the hardest. Again, elders listening to me. Perhaps the last miles are the hardest. Paul's saying, don't give up. Don't give up. You know, he's, he's finished the race. Well, you finished the race too, you know. Keep strong with no matter what God's given you, whatever obstacles there are, whatever difficulties there are. Maybe after these long 25 miles, you're pretty worn out. Don't give up. Don't give up. And then this, which I love. Paul says, I've kept the faith. Now, this has multiple senses. On the one hand, it's another sporting reference. This time to the oath that athletes took before the great games. The oath said that they're, they're promising they'd prepared themselves in the course of, of 10 months and that they were not going to cheat. So Paul is saying, in a way, look, I've, I've run the race and, and I kept the faith. I was true to my promise. You know, a lot of us, I, as a priest, of course, I've taken formal uh, promises. Married people, listen to me, you've taken formal vows. Okay. Have you kept them? Have you kept the promises that you made? Have you lived with honor? Or has there been cheating involved in the running of the race? See, Paul's saying here, by, I've kept the faith. I mean, I've been faithful to my, to my vows. This also has a meaning derived from the world of business, indicating that one has kept his end of the bargain. He's, he's kept his terms of the contract. Well, here's Paul the Jew speaking, it seems to me, because how could we miss the covenantal overtones? There's those great contracts, if you want, that God makes with his faithful people. I'll be your God, you be my people. Here are the terms of the contract, and God lays out the law Paul's saying, okay, I've, I've kept the faith, including the great law of Christ that was revealed to him. Can we say, again, especially to the elders, as we come to the close of our lives, that we've, we've kept the bargain. We've kept faith with the covenant. And then he says, from now on, a crown of righteousness awaits me. That word, dikaiosune in his Greek, justification or righteousness, that's a key word, of course, in the writings of Paul. It means being straightened out, being rectified, right with God, justified. And it follows from living, as he would put it, a life in Christ. Is there steady progress in the way of righteousness? Yeah, the Council of Trent speaks of justification, and then an increase in justification. That happens through love and through running the race and keeping the faith and keeping your end of the bargain, and all of that leads to an increase in righteousness, leading finally to fulfilled righteousness in heaven. 
And so Paul is saying now, a crown of justification is awaiting me. The crown, by the way, is still another sporting reference, isn't it? Because the victor in the race would get a laurel crown, a crown of laurel leaves. Paul's okay with that. I'm, I'm expecting this crown in heaven. Just a last observation. Paul says, At my first defense, no one appeared on my behalf, but the Lord stood by me and gave me strength. He's referring to the trial that took place in Palestine. So it's toward the end of Paul's life. He's been in Jerusalem. He sort of caused a ruckus there, and he's brought uh, to the Roman authorities for trial. And he's, you know, complaining here. Look, at, at my defense, nobody stood with me. That would have been dangerous business, by the way. If you stood up to speak for someone who was eventually condemned, you could be condemned. So no one did. But listen again. But the Lord stood by me and gave me strength. Friends, sometimes as we compete, pouring out our lives, running the race, we can feel pretty alone. Sometimes we receive little or no support from our fellow human beings. But God stands by us. Jesus said, Behold, I'm with you even to the close of the age especially elders listening to me, do we trust him all our life long? Do we trust him even as we come to the end of the race? And God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit wordonfire.org.